start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. And I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us is the creator of the Steam uh, Gas Lamp Adventure, uh, Boston Metaphysical Society, Miss... Um, Madeline Holly Rosing. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. How are you guys doing? We're great. Yeah, it's We're splendid. Uh, yeah, we, we've got our, our heater fixed. It was an expensive repair. <laughs> uh, heat is important during this time of year. Yeah. Even in, even in Southern California. It's not, so, it's not second breakfast, it's second winter, right? <laughs> yeah. It would have been half as expensive if the first guy we hired hadn't been an idiot. Yeah, that happens sometimes, unfortunately. And yeah. welcome to HVAC Hour on <laughs> Sci-Fi <Sci-Fi-Fi> Video. <laughs> but it gets mighty cold on Pike's Peak, doesn't it? She said, steering yes, the, the conversation. Ship of into <laughs> conversation. So yes, the, it the does new, get cold on Pike's Peak. The new Kickstarter. Mystery yes, on Pike's Peak. And the uh, takes the story of Boston Metaphysical Society out of Boston. Yes, it was it was time to travel. Uh, it was time to not only make my characters uh, uncomfortable in a different space, but myself as well. Uh, as as a writer, it was a lot of fun to bring um, my cast to a completely different environment, and. Uh, so yeah, if I, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but uh, they are at Tesla's experimental station. Um, they were uh, Caitlin and Alma were fleeing arrest from Boston, and essentially Tesla owed them one or more markers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so Granville started to uh, call them in, and so they went to Colorado Springs by airship. Uh, so that's how they arrived. And uh, to meet a, a new challenge and a murder plot. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of took some inspiration not only from uh, Lady Mechanica and just in structure and form, but uh, also, um, what was it? I reviewed, what is it, The Lost... The, it was like The House of Lost Lost Horizons. It's like a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, like an Agatha Christie murder mystery, and so that it was a lot of fun to 
to pull from different things. And, and I actually pulled from my audio drama. So there's little elements and, and references from to the audio drama and from one of uh, my short stories called The Underground, which all kind of plays into this story. Because everything so. is transmedia anymore. I mean, it's it's yeah, almost impossible not to be. It's almost impossible not to be because to reach your audience, you have to be everywhere, everywhere, everywhere they are. So that's yeah. right. That's right. So this sounds uh, this sounds really cool. And uh, we looked at the Kickstarter page, and you are pressing up against uh, stretch goal number four. If you haven't passed it already by now, <laughs> uh, yes, we we are heading towards stretch goal number four which is a really cool um, stainless steel bookmark that's etched with the image of Tesla's experimental station. And if we make that, the next one is to upgrade it to a copper finish. Ooh. And if you remember the, the last Kickstarter, we did a, a dirigible with a copper finish uh, bookmark, and those are really, really cool. So I'm very excited to, you know, to, to reach those goals so backers can get them. Because I know they'll love them. Even if they only read from their Kindle, these these are like these are new collectibles, like the pins. Yeah. Oh yeah, more pins! Give me more pins. Oh yeah, and then we have the Tesla coil pin. Mm-hmm. Um, we you know we always have a new pin. <laughs> I've been collecting them. Yeah, I've got I've got to go sign up for this. I haven't done it yet. Um, and uh, just as a reminder for those of your listeners who've never heard of Boston Metaphysical before. Uh, it's about an ex-Pinkerton detective, a spirit photographer, and a genius scientist who battles supernatural forces in late 1800s Boston. We started with a six-issue miniseries with art by Emily Hugh, and that went to trade, so that's what we refer to as Volume 1. And then I did four standalone sequels with art by Gwen Tavares and compiled all those into what we call Volume 2. So now we're doing the next, the next series. I decided to move from the the one shot model back to the mini series model just because I wanted to give my characters more room to breathe mm-hmm. and 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 this you know I didn't want to do a six issue because that kind of makes your head explode uh, <laughs> and and so a, a four issue is like yeah let's let's do a four issue and that's manageable. I think you've done enough of this. You've had the experience to know what's the optimal length of these, you know? Well, and, and four-issue miniseries are, uh, are... That's enough to make a, a trade. Yeah, that's that's oh, easily, yeah, easily. that's not an uncommon thing either. I mean, uh, Image Comics is, is well-known for this. They would have four-issue runs with uh, all original characters, and then you'd, you know... And then if it worked, great, they'd do another one. And if it didn't, they'd move on to the next thing. And, yeah. uh, but but uh, four issues is enough to really get into the story arc and develop your characters and and have a nice, satisfying story. Yes, and particularly since my story lengths go anywhere from 26 to 29 pages-ish. So they're, they're a little bit longer than your standard 22. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, the issues themselves are going to be 32 pages, so I always add bonus stuff. Um, which I'm, I'm sure you remember remember from previous campaigns. So, yeah, I'll be talking about uh, the experimental station um, in one issue and another. Some of the 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 real versus fictional political situations that were going on during the time. Uh, because I do change up some things because this is <laughs> a little, a, yes, yes, a little. It is fictional <laughs> uh, and alternate history, but 
but here what what fans are going to see and finally and i've referred to you know other houses within the great states of america but now they're actually going to see the ramifications of and the agendas of other great houses in other parts of the country and so they meet for the first time uh, a, a Chinese um, American scientist by the name of uh, Mai Hui Chao who comes from the great house Chao and she is working with Tesla at uh, as partnered with him at the experimental station so we get and she's they're from California and then we get a sense of what's going on politically locally and 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 so it just it gives more breadth to the universe California and Colorado must be very different from this universe. Uh, well, from yeah, from Boston and yeah, and and the rest. Well, and and uh, I mean, different from the different ones from we the live one in. we live in. You know. uh, there there are some similarities, <laughs> um, but the main difference here is that I posited, what if the Chinese Exclusionary Act never happened? That's good. And, oh. And, and basically what happened was the emergence of families like House Chow and their political ascendancy on the West Coast. And so we're just seeing a glimpse of that here in this issue by when we're meeting um, Mai Hui. So this is... Um, this sets the stage for some supernatural uh, shenanigans. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> It wouldn't be Definitely. Boston metaphysical without that. I don't know. Up in Definitely. the mountains, I'm thinking that I'm thinking Bigfoot, but you know. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if you saw the trailer um, yet for for it. But yeah, it, there's a definite hint that turning on the experimental station triggers certain things. Ah. Like I said, I don't want to give away spoilers. Yeah, if if they were, uh, you know, if they were looking for Bigfoot, they'd be having a bunch of people looking out for sasses, you know? You, you would call them the Sasquatch. Stop. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm not sorry at all. No, you're not. <laughs> She's nonplussed. I think I, I think I broke the guest. <laughs> and your wife. <laughs> and the conversation. Moving straight on. Um, moving on, moving on. <laughs> Uh, so four issues. When can we ex- once once we have uh, donated our money through through Kickstarter and that that's how long is that running? That's for another two weeks. Another two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Um, how exciting that you like blew through th- uh, three levels of of uh, of, uh, stretch, of stretch goals. goals. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm suffering from aphasia today. Three <laughs> levels of stretch goals, and it's only two weeks in. That's awesome. That is just yeah, awesome. It's, that means it's always it, right? fun to do. I love to give my backers stuff, so it's. I always have at least five stretch goals planned out, if not more. And if we don't reach them all, it's fine. But um, well, you've got a. Book. I, I, You're publishing the book. That's the important part. Yes, yes, we're publishing the book. Uh, right now, I have a delivery date of August, um, and you know, of course, that all depends on shipping and printers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully it will come in sooner, but we shall see. And uh, depending on how far Elizabeth gets on three and four, my 
my own personal hope was to run a Kickstarter in the fall, like in October, for three and four. And but that I I want to make sure that at least you know three is done and and we're into four before I launch that. Yeah, at this rate you may not cool. need it. <laughs> uh, well, but but of course uh, with each Kickstarter you improve your what you produce you improve your workflow you bring more artists to the fore you know because yes. they've got they they can point to Boston metaphysical and say they helped accomplish something wonderful and absolutely uh, and and we're doing a couple things differently this time uh, I have variant covers for the very first time and uh, for oh, yeah. Issue, yeah I have variant covers we've never done that before so other than the main covers are done by, well, I should introduce you to the team. We have a brand new team this time around. Uh, that's because uh, Gwen, my previous artist, who I adore, uh, has two children under the age of three. Oh, that should tell you all do... you need to know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's as intelligent as cats, but with opposable thumbs, and they can run yes. places you can't yes. go. So her life is pretty filled up. Um, I know she does some pinups sometimes, but she really doesn't have time for anything else. Uh, so I found Elizabeth McKedza, and she is my interior art, my new interior artist. Uh, Katie Brown is doing the coloring, and Angela Wu is doing the main covers and doing a spectacular job. It's just amazing what she's she's doing. And uh, for our variant artists, uh, Rio Burton is for issue number one, and Steph C is for issue number two. And they're both amazing. Now, did I misread uh, that there were going to be metal covers? No, you did not. We have metal covers for the first time. That is... Tell me about that. I, I've, I'm absolutely... I, I've got no idea how that works. Can you bounce bullets on them? Do they, do they, do they transmit electricity? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't test that if I were you. Mm. <laughs> it's a Tesla cover. Uh, but yeah, I've I've seen I've seen samples of them. They 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 look beautiful. Um, there's a limit of 25. That's it. I'm not it. I'm not doing any more. So and we're about half. We're over halfway out actually. Um, they must most, be they must be expensive to produce. Uh, yeah, they're a lot more expensive to produce than than the usual cover. Uh, that's why we kept it limited, but also to keep it special. So uh -huh. it's. Uh, what is not sold on Kickstarter will obviously be sold on, on Backerkit. And if they're all sold out, they're all sold out. You won't see it at a con. You've got a lot of cons coming up. Uh, I do. I have actually WonderCon uh, in like a week and a half. Yeah, I'm going too. <laughs> which I can't even believe. I don't usually do uh, cons during Kickstarters because it's just difficult, but it's just timing. So yes, I will be there. <laughs> I will. I will make an effort to look you up. Thank you. Yeah. I will appreciate that to say hello. Uh huh. Uh, but yes, we'll be in Small Press ninety three, which is like the back end of nowhere in the convention no, <laughs> no. center. Oh yeah, way in the back over by the uh, over by where they they. Put the uh, the vinyl covers over the over the uh, uh, standing barriers. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You should bring popcorn or something. You know, something yeah, something to tempt people back there. Yeah, I mean, we're a bunch of us are actually doing like a scavenger hunt. So it brings people Ooh. between Artist Alley and Small Press. So it brings people because we're at opposite ends of the convention hall. Uh -huh. 
So that will encourage people to actually go to the other end of the convention hall. What a clever idea. That's clever. Um, yeah. It, not my idea. Uh, more people with better skill sets with that have, have organized well thank that. thank goodness there are such people you know i mean it, it's yes. it's all a collaboration uh, the everybody working together becomes more than the sum of their parts and it's it can be quite wonderful you can you can come up with things that you would never have thought of by yourself or you know events that that uh that really boost things that you would never have never have uh, done otherwise without that kind of very variegated expertise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, no, it's, uh, uh, I, I appreciate everybody. And, and, you know, the, the independent, uh, particularly the comic independent creator community, we all tend, we all play nice and play together. Well, <laughs> uh, huh. Are you, there's are room you... for everybody. It's not a competition really. Oh no, it, it's not because I mean, not every, not what I do isn't for everybody, and, and I totally get that. And there are other things out there that other people just go gaga over, and I'm, and I'm not wild about. So it's, there's something for everybody. Mm-hmm. It, it's, um, there's so much out there that's, uh, and so much of it is just independent like you are. You're not, you're not distributed, for example, through Diamond Comics. Uh, actually, I am. You are. Yay! Yes. Yeah. That, um, wow. That's that's well. Uh, the original six issue miniseries and the sequels, uh, they were picked up by Source Point Press. I thought you knew that. No, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, they were. They were. Well, the original six issue miniseries was picked up in 2019, and and first of. The six issues went through previews, I think, in 2019 and 2020, and then the trade did, and then they picked up the sequels as well. Not so, everybody has access yeah, to that. I've been that's in, that's, I've been that's quite a feather. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's quite a feather in your cap. Not everybody has access to that. Well, you know, I... And I know, I, other, really, I know other small press publishers, and they don't have access to that. So that's impressive. Well, SourcePoint has been terrific in that regards, and and they survived the pandemic by thinking outside of the box, which was amazing, and uh, and do a terrific job. Um, yeah, they. I, I couldn't. I mean, I remember reading the instructions for getting into Diamond uh, a number of years ago, and there's no way I I could have done that. Uh, but with but with SourcePoint, it was it was a no brainer. That's awesome. That I'm so glad to hear that. That's very encouraging. So, um, what are, how much of that uh, uh, is, how much does that contribute to your bottom line? Is it uh, is it a big chunk of what you do now, or? Um, no, mostly you know what I, it it's, it's kind of icing on the cake. Uh huh. Um and. And it's very cyclical. So when the books first come out, yes, you do see royalties and money coming in. But once it goes past that initial distribution, then it falls off rather dramatically. Are there so, is there competition to uh, Diamond Publishing? I mean, uh, Marvel and DC, I think both pulled a bunch of their stuff from Diamond a few years back, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. There's um, I don't know all the details but yes there are other distribution systems other than diamond hmm 
And it used to be a one-horse town. You were either on Diamond yeah, or you didn't get out at all. Yeah, they're not all-be-all anymore. I mean, obviously, they're the most famous, and uh, but yeah, there are other distribution systems. I'm, I'm not as familiar with them because uh, I don't do that, but... Uh-huh. Well, Di- um, Diamond no, is still. I'm sure Diamond is still. You know, Marvel and DC. Well, they're still, still very active and yeah. and and doing a lot of stuff. Um, but no, there there are just other things now than what there were before. Have you noticed any uh, any decline in interest in steampunk or gas lamp, or is it about the same as it was? I mean, for me, it's about the same as it was, and. Uh, so much is, you know, when I go to a con and I lure people over to my table with a bookmark or something and start telling them the story, because it's a cross genre and it's more steampunk-ish than straight steampunk, uh, I've had a number of people who really like the series because it, it's there's all these other elements going on. And for one, it's character driven, you know, between the art and the characters and the, it's, it's not about the gadgets. It's always about the relationships. I've um, always thought that, that steampunk was sort of the sriracha of, uh, of, uh, fantasy and science fiction. What, the, the yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the flavor. It's the, it's all about the flavor. And not about the substance, you know. It's the sriracha sauce of fantasy yeah, and science well, fiction. A story, good story, is still a good story. Yeah, and and that's what I was about. That's where I was going with this. A good story transcends that. If you have dragons or airships, it doesn't matter. It's it's still about people. If it's not about yeah. people, it's boring. Yeah, it's it's still about relationships. I mean, even if you just have robots, you still have to have relationships between the robots or or whatever is there. Um, you know, it, it is. Uh, stories are always about relationships. Yeah, which is why Larry Niven's first drafts are always so boring. <laughs> we love we love him to death. But he does not write characters well. He has to rely on his co-writers for that. Well, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, and he's brilliant at the science of it. I just, well, yeah. you know, no, a, and a you can read people... chapter after chapter of the science of it and how the whole... Like how Ring World evolved, and how the various uh, pieces of it evolved, and and what things are for. But sooner or later, you've got to talk to a person. Well, there were yeah, or or a, a that's person. That's a bad example because that had some decent relationships in it. But some of his other early works, yeah, he was still learning. Yeah, and and it sounds like you know he's good at world building. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know who thought it's he. He co-wrote. I think he co-wrote God, uh, Moten God's Eye with mm-hmm. Jerry Pornell. Correct. And Lucifer's and, Hammer. Yeah, and I do remember, I think, in uh, Moten God's Eye, one of the funniest things about it was the um, aliens love chocolate. Yep. <laughs> well, who doesn't? That's, and who doesn't? And I almost kind of wonder if John Scalzi was p- playing homage to that in one of his books, uh, The Aliens Love Churros. <laughs> <laughs> I guess aliens one, have one to love something. Yeah, there was an, it was an alien um, ambassador to Earth, and they always stopped by the, the churro stand every day. Somehow churros went global. I, I, I don't know why that more than any other delightful deep fried goodness, but okay. Well, they're pan-galactic. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, yeah I have not read the, the Moden God's Eye in forever. 
I need to, yeah. I need to have it. that. We have it. We have it autographed. We do. Wow. I'm pretty sure. I, I was probably a teenager when I read it. So, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, Moat in God's Eye and Lucifer's Hammer was all anybody was talking about for about six years. Well, but I was I was palling around with with Alex and and the whole gang, you know, because we were teenagers at the at the clubs. So. Al- Alex, Pornell, oh, oldest son. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But yeah, so that's why I have autographs, <laughs> and now I'm very grateful to have them. So st- oh oh when you when you drop by my table, Gene at at WonderCon, mm-hmm. um, I'll tell you a story um, about Jerry Pornell. <laughs> I'm not going to do it here. Everybody's got a story about Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. Well, Jerry was husband. a. Jerry was with a, my husband ah, as well. Uh huh. Who is also a rocket scientist. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I'll we'll wait till we're offline for that story. Okay. <laughs> it sounds it sounds colorful. <laughs> it's interesting. So. Uh, uh back to character development and character arcs um uh how many if in in four issues how many character arcs can you fit in how many works um two maybe yeah that's what I say I wouldn't go more than two but it's what just do I two do? just to give it more depth um but that, I mean, you do have to have some characters maintaining a status quo just to give everyone else um, grounding. Uh-huh. That makes sense. And, 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 to, play, and to play off of. Uh, I, I mean, Caitlin is the one who's, who's been hit the most with, with the most changes uh, since her run-in with the shifter in the original six-issue miniseries. And and how that changed her gradually and her her abilities and um and by the end of this one we're we're going to see well something's going to change for one of the major characters um yeah so, uh, i was just um thinking about how uh, a lot of film directors kind of lose themselves in this, uh, in the aspect of grounding, in providing a frame of reference that's constant, so that the the viewers or the readers don't get lost. Yeah. And Michael Bay, in particular, is guilty of this. <laughs> well, um, I think that was that was one of the downsides of everything, everywhere, all at once. Is that I, a lot of the audience was just as confused as as the lead character. <laughs> <laughs> you re- yeah, you really had to be paying attention for that movie. I mean, really, you, you, you cannot look away. Did, and they were just a smidgen going off the rails. <laughs> I think if they're between the script and the directing and the editing, the editing was very, very tight. And I, if it had not been, then that movie would have totally gone off the rails. Yeah, I, I can easily see that. Uh, as we speak, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once has just won seven Oscars in the 2023 yes. uh, Academy Awards yes. with uh, Michelle Yeoh winning lead actress. And it's the first yeah, time an Asian, she, an Asian American has hero. ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I she's everybody's her. hero. So do I. 
it's, it's the first time an Asian American actress has ever won that. Uh, well, that that actually, we knew of. That we, yeah, that Vivian, we knew of. Apparently, Vivian Lee had concealed South Asian ancestry. Oh, I didn't so know technically that. speaking, interesting. Well, she uh, and 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 forgive me for correcting you, but she's uh, Michelle Yeoh is Malaysian. Oh, she is. That's right. She's she is not Malaysian. Asian American. She is Malaysian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, and oh, what's his name? I I stumble over. Kehui. Kehui. Yeah, Kehui Kwan. Kwan. Yes. A short round uh, <laughs> from Indiana. Short Jones. round. Yes. Oh, he I'm was, so happy for him. He was so awesome. What a comeback kid. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Twenty five years of of. Of, uh, of of we can't use you anymore, and then suddenly they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was reduced to a joke. In in well, in you're calling him sh- you're calling him short round. Okay? Yeah, you know, and that's Goonies how people fans, remembered him. Goonies fans would call him Data, except that so that somehow that name has been uh, subsumed since. Hang then. on a sec, Nemo, come out of there, get out of the window. <laughs> it's dog <laughs> TV. There's there's a bird flapping around. Or he's watching. No, I saw the cross. I saw the fl- the bird. Okay. Also, don't eat any more cookies. They can hear it on mic. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. Okay. Let's come back. <laughs> okay. Oopsie. He, and and Quan was also in head of the class for two seasons. I'm going classmate. <laughs> he was. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's cool. See? Well, that was like one of his last jobs. Uh huh. And I was in the real one, the real IHP. So I I always follow this sort of thing. Neat. Yeah. So um, let's see, uh, WonderCon, and then where are you on after that? After that, I'm doing a small steampunk convention in San Mateo, California, called Clockwork Alchemy. Yes, oh, yes, yeah, I've heard friends, of them. Yeah, we have friends them. working on that. Oh, it's a lovely, lovely group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I always enjoy being there. And then I'm doing a small con, uh, Anacon, which is at the Anaheim Central Library on April 15th. It's free. Wow. Free is good. It is we like free, and there's a ton of amazing creators are going to be there. It's from eleven to four, so yeah, people should put that on their calendar. Particularly if it's a nice day, it's going to be great. Yeah, cool. It's going to be great. Um, after that, I'm going to be at Phoenix Fan Fusion in June, uh-huh. and then Fan that's a big Expo, one. Yeah, Fan Expo Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Diego Comic Con. I'm going to Baltimore Comic Con for the first time. Oh, I hear good things about that. We've got so, so we know, we know cosplayers there who were, you know, when they cosplay your characters, that's when you know you've made it, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, no, I've I've heard wonderful things about it from other indie creators that they love indie creators there. So, um, yeah, I got in touch with them and said, "What's the deal?" And they said, "Here's." Pay and you're in, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's not hard. That's not hard. And then I'll be at Rose City um, in the fall, and I have an application submitted for New York Comic Con, but we shall see because you know that's a tough one to get into, but one can always hope. Yeah. Any yep. conventions wow. in Boston? Um, there not this be. year. There should I be. Kind of, be. I kind of alternate. I, I tried to go. I was in Fan Expo, I think, a year or two ago, Fan Expo in Boston. Mm-hmm. But I do try to go to someplace new every year, mm-hmm. and so Baltimore's Baltimore's the one. Okay. Very nice. Uh, the 
I had no idea you were going to be that busy. I mean, I know you go to a lot of conventions, but hearing them hearing them rattled off like that in a list really sets the tone. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're busy. Well, I yeah, I have to set this all up months ahead of time. In fact, I have to I have to go get airfare and hotels because if I get them now, it's cheaper. But yeah. yeah. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. Airfare. That's a you have to be making a you have to be doing pretty well to be able to afford all that airfare. Well, you know, it's a it's a business expense. It is. It you is know. a business expense. But the business has to be able to cover it. Uh, a lot of uh, the larger cons, like, you know, Emerald City. I was at New York, was it uh, two years ago? I sold out. That's, okay. That is awesome. So, so yeah. Selling out uh, is great. <laughs> that must have been, it's like, like middle of the afternoon on Saturday and nothing left to sell. <laughs> Usually it's it's Sunday morning. Uh huh. I'll have a few things, and and by lunchtime it's gone. Nice. So though when I was in New York, it was it was Sunday morning. I I had nothing left. Oh, it's great! Nothing left to pack up either. Yes, that is. That's a huge. Joy. That's yes. huge. <laughs> that is huge. Because I'm constantly going through my head with inventory. I was like, okay, how much weight do I have? Do I, you know, I need to sell X amount so I don't have to ship anything back and I can put it in the, uh, my duffel bags and yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been speaking to Madeline Holly Rosing, the creator of Boston Metaphysical Society. The Up Mystery at Pike's Peak. Is the new Kickstarter, which brings our heroes to Colorado. <laughs> And they're on the run from the law to start with. Oh, yeah. So that, oh, I can hardly wait to see the books. And they're going to be, they're due out in August. And yes. uh, if you want to find out more, visit bostonmetaphysical.com or Google Boston Metaphysical and kickstarter.com. And you will find the the newest Kickstarter. And the links will be on sci-fi.radio for you. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Event Horizon. It's been, it's been great chatting with you. As always, we're always happy to see you. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Star Jump Sequence terminates, Captain. You have been listening to episode 257 of Sci-Fi.Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for March 18th, 2023, with your hosts, Susan Fox and Jean Turnbow. Our guest this evening has been Madeline Holly Rosing, the creator of the Gaslamp Adventure webcomic series Boston Metaphysical Society. We have been discussing the Kickstarter for her latest tale in the series, Mystery at Pike's Peak. For more information, please visit bostonmetaphysical.com. This episode will air again tomorrow, March 19th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts, and on our own website at sci-fi.radio. Sci-fi.radio is listener-supported sci-fi geek culture radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. We are asking you to visit patreon.com slash sci-fi radio and donate 5 or $10 a month to help keep the station on the air. It may not seem like a lot, but if everybody does it... 
Together we can accomplish great things. That's patreon.com slash sci-fi radio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by sci-fi illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2023 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Sci-Fi.Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.